The Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder, Boulder. Today's guest is Helen Forrester, co-host and co-producer of E-Town, a nonprofit, nationally syndicated radio broadcast and podcast, producing musical, social, and environmental programming to uplift and inspire listeners around the world. As executive producer, Helen oversees all production aspects of the E-Town show and the E-Achievement Award, an honor bestowed on people who are making an impact in their community. Helen's golden tone voice is heard while co-hosting with her husband, Nick, and as harmony singer in the house band, The E-Tones. Outside of E-Town, Helen has performed as a vocalist on a Prairie Home Companion and in concert across the country. She was co-owner and co-producer of the Telluride Bluegrass Festival for years and has also produced and directed numerous stage and live on-the-air theater pieces. Here with me now is the lovely Helen Forrester. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Sherry. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you. I am such a huge fan of E-Town and especially of your E-Achievement Award. Oh, so thank you. So looking forward to this for so long. So, Helen, tell me, where do you come from? Tell me a little bit about your background. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Uh, I was raised in the 50s. I am born in 1950, so I just turned 70. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, It's funny because I don't feel 70. And I remember my father around the same age telling me, well, you'll know when you're older, but I don't feel like I'm 70. I just am looking in the mirror, he said to me, and he said, wow, who's that old man looking back at me? And now I kind of get what he means in that your self is just kind of eternal. You kind of hit your stride as maybe a kid or a young adult, and you know yourself, and you're always learning and so forth. So I had really cool parents. My dad came over from Eastern Europe on the boat, as they would say in Minnesota, when he was around 20 or 21, Um, hardly a nickel in his pocket, came from a very remote uh, village, um, above split in the mountains. And uh, my f- mother was born here uh, when my grandparents came. But unfortunately, they passed away in the um, uh, pandemic in 1918. And wow. so my mother and her four siblings were all uh, orphaned and all sent to different parts of the country raised by different people. So I had a very small family growing up. I, my uncle Hamill who gave me away at my wedding to Nick, mm-hmm. um, found my mother. And they were almost like twins. They were a couple of years apart, but they had you know, physical similarities. And it, it, even their gestures and way of phrasing things uh, were similar, and they had not been raised together at all. So that was kind of interesting. But Minnesota was an interesting place to grow up in. I've always thought of it as a kind of a warm and uh, welcoming place. I've thought of the Midwest that way, and it's funny, in, in recent years, all the kind of political turmoil that's going on in the country right now, um, it's sometimes depicted as a place where it's there's intolerance and 
even racism, um, prejudice, or whatever. But I, I really did not encounter that uh, growing up. Um, I had a great, great childhood with two loving parents and um, two siblings that drove me crazy, but I did them as well. <laughs> and, um, and my mother worked, which was unusual in the in the 50s women just did not work so i was a latchkey kid before the phrase was coined <laughs> i'd always come home and watch the big money movie and then i do my homework dutifully but that's how i got interested in acting that and um I, we were terribly shy my sisters and i and my mother was shy but she took me and my sister kate to acting classes when i was six and kate was nine and kate hated every single moment of it and I walked in I can still see the half arched window and smell the kind of musty smells and they gave me my first line you know which is I'll be there soon or whatever it was and I was just hooked I knew that's what I wanted to do so I took you know the uh, obligatory music lessons and and so on and so forth but I, that's always what I was aiming for was I knew I was supposed to be a performer Nice. And then how did you make your way from the Midwest to the mountains? I was always taking classes in college that had nothing to do with my major because I had wanted to major in art and theater or music and theater. And my dad, who was a very wonderful, supportive, loving father, um, but he was an immigrant too. And he was like, oh, no, please, you'll starve. Don't do that. Be a lawyer. You'd be a really good lawyer. And I said, you know, I would be a good lawyer because there's a part of law, especially if you're in the court, where you have to be a good performer sure. to make your presentation. And I probably, you know, would kill it, but I have no interest. I'm too right brain. So um, I went into education instead, thinking I was going to save the world, you know. And I quickly realized it was not my passion. So I kind of did my time in college, and I was always like, you know, um, singing at jams and taking, you know, um, ex you know, different kinds of dance lessons and stuff that had nothing to do with my major. And as soon as I graduated, I beat feet out to Telluride, where some friends had moved. They graduated in June. I was behind because I was always taking classes that didn't pertain to my major. So I graduated that following January. And they said, they were on their way to Aspen. They heard about this place called Telluride, and they said, you got to come out. It's just like they just paved Main Street. They just ripped up the wood sidewalks and put down concrete, so they're really getting serious, you know. They're going to put, you know, up uh, – They all they had was kind of like a, a toe up the front. I mean, they didn't even have – um, like a lift yet or anything. And what year was this? 73, okay. January of 73. And so that's how I ended up in Telluride. And then that's how one thing led to another. I met other artists and musicians, and we started doing plays um, and uh, uh, forming musical groups and, you know, bands and things like that. And then I got involved when I was in my uh, mid to late 20s in the Bluegrass Festival, these guys had started it, and they were in it for a year or two, and then I invested and came in, and a couple of them uh, left. And that's how I met Nick. But I didn't meet him while I owned the festival, which was several years. I met him after I retired because I was tired of losing money and working so hard. <laughs> <laughs> now it's not like that at all. It's a very successful built, uh, business, but it was very grassroots back then. Mm. And um, and we just met backstage by 
chance. Uh, he was as far away as you are, which is about seven feet away from me, and we both turned and looked at each other at the same time and just sort of knew in our brains that that's someone we were supposed to know. Mm. And he was in the band Hot Rise at the time, yeah. is that right? Yeah, he was right? one of our headliners every year. Wonderful. But I, the only year that I saw them was that last year uh, where I retired. And I, my partner said, you know, here's your all-access pass. Just go hear all the music you never had time to hear. And people had been talking about Hot Rise for years. So they were just a phenomenal band. Um, and I was very happy to have, have seen them. I loved their stage presence and the work around one microphone and the choreography of the of the instruments because you can't all come in at the same time because you'll crash into each other. Mm. So the bass would be up here and the guitar would be back there and they, you know, they would kind of come in and out with this almost uh, um, living, breathing entity feeling, you know, and um, very dashing in their suits and ties and great traditional arrangements and great original stuff. And I was very impressed, especially with their MC, who was Nick. He was on bass. You never have to tune the bass. The fiddle, the mandolin, you know, the guitar, they have to constantly, the banjo especially, got to tune, tune, tune. So he would just sort of fill in with whatever came into his head. And he was just really entertaining and, and real. And then just by chance, backstage, we saw each other had a five-minute conversation. Didn't get together then, but we got together later on uh, in the fall. And um, here we are. You're such a, a magical duo on the show, too. I would say oh, much like so Hot Rise, um, just the way that you sort of pass the baton back and forth. It's, it's really beautiful to watch. I appreciate oh, that, that relationship. Kind of you. Thank you. So then how did you make it to Boulder from Telluride? Well, having met Nick... I was in a, a – uh, uh, when I, he said he was from Boulder, I had been coming to Boulder and working with a career counselor because there I had been in, in Telluride for 15 years, right out of college. And I'd done all these things, but it was very uh, bohemian, all, all the things I had done. And he, this man was wonderful, um, and he was trying to help me understand that I had learned a lot of skills uh, managing 150 volunteers at the um, festival every year, um, that I had owned a store. I mean, just all these things. So I thought what I really thought I was doing was I looked into L.A., I looked into New York, even Chicago, and I just felt after 15 years of living in Telluride, um, I might get, get gobbled up alive if I went to a really big um, city. And so... I was thinking, well, maybe I'll go to Denver and audition for the Denver Center or some such thing. And um, Nick said he was from Boulder when I met him in that little five-minute conversation. And I said, well, I come to Boulder about once a month. Next time I come, maybe maybe we can have a cup of tea. And um, that's sort of how I ended up coming. And we interviewed each other platonically for four days. <laughs> He was divorced. He had three little children, four, seven, and nine. He brought them on our second date. And, That's so lovely. And sort of said, this is my package because mm -hmm. I kind of think you're the one, you know. And it was a very, very magical, um, almost mystical meeting. It was almost like my mother's spirit. My mother had passed away when I was 32. And um, it was almost like she – and it was fairly new. And it was almost like she was looking down and saying – you know, nudge, nudge, go over there. You're supposed to know that guy. Right. This but, is the one. But it wasn't even like 
I didn't know if it was for a day or a year or a lifetime or whatever, but I knew I had a lot to learn from this this particular person. So. so obviously you're making a huge impact on our local community with E-Town. Um, tell me about the origin story. How did you and Nick come to birth E-Town? Well, that's an interesting one. You know, Nick, um, again, Hot Rise was um, right up at the top of the heap of the bluegrass world at the time. And, um, and then they broke up after several years of being together. And about that time, um, an uh, acquaintance of Nick's recruited him, along with Sam Bush and John Cowan and Lori Lewis, to form a band to do a state-sponsored State Department tour in Eastern Europe. And um, they called themselves Sam Bush and Friends. And it was just, I mean, they're all so good. Bluegrass musicians are, you know, traditional ones anyways. They can jam with anybody. They can, you know, hear the harmony. I mean, they just fell into place and they all knew each other anyway but um they went traveling and nick said he would go to these um halls that were crammed with people just dying to hear the american music especially because it had mandolin and you know it had it it just had fire to it and then afterwards there would be these receptions where there would be the communist guard with their uniform with the braid and the medals and the hat with the braid and everything standing next to the political dissident who'd just been released from prison or the professor from the university or student activists or whatever and everybody in between and they'd all been brought together because of the music and there they all were in the same room elbow to elbow having conversation and the other thing that Nick noticed when he was there was you know, he gave me an example of um, Sofia, Bulgaria. If you walk down the street, you couldn't see three blocks. And it wasn't because of fog. It was because of smog. Mm. And there were no environmental checks of any kind. The air was horrible in a lot of the places that they went. And he was on the plane on the way home saying, man, if I, only I could have spoken the language when we had their attention with the music, I could have said, hey, guys, this is a problem, but you can fix it if you all work together, you know. And he kind of was gnawing on that on the way home, and he came up with the idea of doing um, a radio broadcast. This is way before podcasts. Um, and briefly, we entertained the thought of doing television, but we thought it would be too distracting, you know. Um, when you when you do radio or you do podcasts, you do voice like you're doing, you have to imagine where are they and and what are they like and what do they look like and what does that guest look like? And, and so we kind of like that kind of interactive brain thing. So I saw him, you know, kind of drawing up the, the bones of it, you know, outlining what he thought could happen. And um, I said, hey, you know, because I, I had done a lot of uh, theater production in Telluride. I was part of a formal theater company, and we would produce ourselves. So I just very innocently said, can I help you in any way? And uh, and that's how we ended up, um, you know, doing our, our first uh, shows. And help is an understatement, because you have a hand in everything at E-Town. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because we're in transition right now, because um, up until uh, mid-March, we were doing the live shows uh, first at the Boulder Theater, and then we'd do some road shows around the country, or even doing a show at Chautauqua was considered a road show. 
but mostly at the Boulder Theater, and then the nonprofit that is E-Town uh, was fortunate enough to uh, acquire the building that is now E-Town Hall. That took a few years in fundraising um, to open that, and that's kind of um, where we'd been doing our shows, but as of March 1st, that was our last tape show. We had one on March 14th. They hadn't done the official shutdown yet, and we just looked at each other and said, it's coming, and we don't want to be responsible for putting people together this close to them saying, this is a dangerous thing to do. We didn't want to bring our audience in. We love our, our listeners. We love our attendees. We love our tribe, you know, and so we sh uh, shut down on that realm, and we've been um, uh, doing reruns, which we do anyways. You can't do 52 weeks in a year. You would fall, all fall over dead. <laughs> um, and um, those have been really well-received. Our listeners keep saying, keep them coming. E-Town is recorded in front of a live studio audience normally. How have you guys pivoted in this time of a global pandemic? We're working on two different things, um, interjecting um, some archival-focused shows. We're working on one um, right now, uh, Music from the White House, yeah. uh, especially at this time, how divided the country is. Uh, Music is the universal language, and it opens everyone's heart, just like at those receptions in Eastern Europe. And it opens uh, people to dialogue. Um, so uh, we're working on a more intimate studio version of E-Town. And then I'm working on um, something. I, I, when I was doing all the things that I did for E-Town, I was one of the writers. I, I wrote and produced the award segment, uh, found the... Uh, award winners with really wonderful help from people like over the years I always had an associate producer um, Ron Bostwick uh, Corey Jones um, Liam Kummer uh, just you know uh, forgive me uh, Cheryl Winston my gosh she was amazing for about six years so she, so these were people that would help me um, plow through the hundreds of nominations we'd get each year and figure out what would make good radio. And um, we hear so much from our listeners and we hear so much from um, our winners as to the impact of being on the show and that has drawn um, uh, support from the artists on the show, the listeners, whatever. So that was a big part of what I did of, of setting that up and finding those stories and writing the intro, outro questions, that part of the script. Um, I also was the, uh, as I like to say, the chick singer, harmony singer in the <laughs> band. So I, you know, I could show up and think I'm not doing any songs that day or doing one with an artist who would then say, that was great, can you sing on the other five? And I'd say, uh, sure, um, <laughs> let me get a copy of your record and I'll be back and an hour, you know, to learn the songs or whatever. It always kind of kept me on my toes. But I mean, what a great thing to be able to sing with the likes of, of the various people I've, I've been lucky enough to support. And in theater, um, I come from a theater background since I was a little kid. You know, I, I've sung and appeared in plays and things. So I, I uh, love being support because in theater, everybody's important, whether you're the props mistress or the stage manager or the lead and you know, everybody's like vital to the 
to the production. And that's kind of how we've been running E-Town up till now. You can imagine right now we have a pretty skeleton crew. Sure. Um, and uh, But we're working hard. And we've made a couple of uh, hires that are helping um, to produce uh, the um, the the new version or the different version until we can get back to um, being in front of a live audience again and uh, and then I'm working on my podcast the working um, title is looking back looking forward and it's um, about revisiting all these fabulous stories, hundreds of stories, hundreds and hundreds that we've featured over the years of people that are either helping others or helping the planet in some way. And already um, the response has been tremendous. Um, we have Chad Pagracki, who was on, I think we were one of the first media things that he did. He was 25, and he and his friends were just taking a couple rowboats out and cleaning up the Mississippi. and um, But you'll have to listen to the podcast because he's very charming and um, funny. And Ben Harper was on that show, the musician Ben Harper. And he dug the story so much, she not only sent him, uh, Chad, a boombox so they could listen to music, but he also helped him fundraise and so forth too. So that was a, that was a cool connection. We also have um, Ethan Zahn, who was like the first winner of Survivor. Oh, wow. And he took his... And he, handsome dashing guy he took his million dollars and he put it into a nonprofit um, that educates young African children um, uh, about AIDS and how to avoid AIDS and what it is and so forth and he's coming back on the show and so it'll be really fun for me because by the time I get people on the show it was like they were already friends of mine and so I get to revisit with all these wonderful stories um, and then find out what people are doing, especially now when we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't do anything normally right now. Uh, so I think it'll be really uh, inspiring and informative. And I'll always end with how you can get in touch with them or learn more. So it's coming from a place of service, if you will, that I think um, people will hopefully uh, enjoy listening to because it is these conversations are inspiring, they're funny, they're uh, informative, and uh, just heartwarming. And I think we all need that right now. We so do. You know, the E-Town is such a special experience because, you know, we often come to see the musicians. I know that's the draw. I came and I saw John Butler play, who is one of my favorite artists. What a doll. He's adorable. such a, a sweet man. <laughs> he is. He's one of my favorites, but... I did not anticipate feeling so connected to that Achievement Award segment. Um, I believe it was a doctor who traveled to Africa to um, work on cleft palates on ah, children. Um, Dr. William Brown, I think mm -hmm. was his name. Yep, and there was another uh, lovely organization that helped um, immigrants um, mm -hmm. find work and help their families um, find housing, um, which is something that's dear to me being from an immigrant family as well. So it, it is so true, as you say, that, you know, folks, they come for the music and they stay for the message. We like to say that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, we hear so much from our listeners, especially outside of Boulder and Denver. That's all people have is is listening to the show and or watching the music videos. Um, so it's been interesting when we've gone to different communities to do roadshows 
to walk out and and have the audience give you a standing ovation just because you walked out, you know, because it's like, oh, that's what he looks like. That's what she looks like. Those are those voices that we know and and have affection for. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, we love all our listeners too. So, plus, we just absolutely love everybody that uh, has been able to come to the show, and we're hoping sometime soon to be able to gather together again. But in the meantime, there's always that uh, broadcast. And if you miss it, it's online, like you say, uh, everywhere as a podcast. So, Yeah. And there is such a question now of like how venues are going to bounce back. And one thing I loved about E-Town was it was a small venue that you kind of had a chance to see someone who maybe is selling out the Boulder Theater or, you know, the Fox or, you know, unattainable otherwise. Yeah. So it the was last, such a wonderful way. Last few rows are as close to the artists as the first row of Red Rocks. So you're you're definitely, even if you're in the back, you feel really connected. And it was set up uh, and created as a sound room and as a, a place to capture content. So it wasn't meant to be a Fox Theater or a Boulder Theater or even a Mackey Theater. It's all about excellence of sound. And so when you're sitting in the audience or you're on the stage performing, the sound is really pristine. And it's because it's to capture it because we're really um, a, a nonprofit media company. So your lovely E-Town Hall is located in downtown Boulder. It's a solar-powered building. What is it like working downtown Boulder? There's folks listening who have probably never been here. Tell us a little bit about downtown Boulder and this lovely building. You know, it's interesting. I think Boulder just got uh, designated um, number one best place to live, and it's totally understandable. And part of that is the great downtown area. It's full of um, beautiful shops and and exquisite restaurants, um, both if you're looking for a hot dog or you're looking for an absolutely gourmet meal. Um, And it's it's a really welcoming community, and it's a very pedestrian, uh, friendly community. So you have a lot of people on bikes, you have a lot of people walking, families and kids and 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 yet there's a lot of young hipsters and and uh, there's a lot of senior citizens too, you know. So it's it's varied in age in that way. Uh, I love working downtown. We actually used to live less than a block and a half from E-Town Hall. <laughs> now we live about a mile away, but you know, we ride our bikes or Sometimes on a nice day we walk or, you know, if we have the time. And, uh, of course, we're going there less and we're very, being very, very stringent about following protocol to keep everybody safe. So even though we're a skeleton crew, we're not all there at the same time. We all have separate offices. We can close the door. We sanitize like crazy. But it's just it, – it, the downtown is um, – it's a really uh, beautiful uh, experience to just stroll around um, the walking part of, of Pearl Street, for example, or the side streets too, and um, and and E Town being right in the center of that nucleus of downtown has served us so well because we have lots of bike racks and people ride their bikes to the show when they can. There's um, you know community parking right down the street, and um, it, we have great neighbors. So we're kind of on the cusp of residential versus commercial. 
And we really made a point of connecting with people who live down there and work down there right around us. We made sure that the building was absolutely soundproof. So if you're outside and there's a loud rock and roll concert going on inside, which did not happen that often, but we're more acoustic. But you know what I mean. If it's something really loud, you can't hear it outside. So we're very, very uh, aware of being good neighbors. And we just love being down there. So you spoke about... Boulder being voted its best place to live by U.S. Weekly, I think it is, or U.S. (laughs) News. Um, Also, Nat Geo named Boulder the happiest city to live in America in 2017. I remember that. (laughs) So I'd like to ask you, why is that true for you? Why is Boulder your happy place? You know, when I lived in Telluride, uh, it was such a change, and it was so beautiful there. And for many years, my first five or six years there, it was the best kept secret. You'd go home and they, people would say, where are you living now? And I'd say, tell your ride. And they'd go, well, tell you what? You know, they, <laughs> but then it got discovered and suddenly it was, you know, floor length for coats and uh, Lincoln Continentals driving down Main Street and all the people that I knew and loved who worked in the restaurants or, you know, were, were worker bees had to go to other communities to live. And it just became um, more of a, uh, resort area than a, 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 the town it had been. And I, when I met Nick, it just was right for me to try a different town. And Boulder um, it was just so organic. You know, it was, it was bigger. It was much bigger. Had the university. Uh, it had so much to offer. And I think I like it. I mean, for one thing, I love my neighborhood. I live near the foothills. Um, I, I love how neighborly people are. You know, if you need a hand, you you can usually find it. And um, I like the values. I think the values here, um, for the most part, really align with my own personal values. Mm. You know, walking softly on the earth, trying to do the, the best thing, uh, caring for those, giving a hand up, not a hand out, but a hand up to those who need it. I firmly believe in that. My, my father instilled that in me as a, uh, a, a newly honed American. Um, and I, I love the fact that uh, more now than when I first came here, the arts are starting to get really supported. Um, there's a group of people, including Nick, who started something called Create Boulder. And their goal is to make sure that um, there's financial support for the arts, which actually bring in as much money, if not more, than sports um, in this town uh, and supply a lot of uh, jobs when we're in in the normal world, in the normal state. And um, I know that Fort Collins right now, for example, um, uh, probably provides uh, twice as much support financially um, as Boulder. And Boulder's such a cool, hip place, you know, with, with people that are just conscientious and and smart, you know, that um, knowing that that's the case, that the arts are important to the economy, I think would um, would be a really good thing to pass around. So that's what they're working on right now. Well, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find out more about Create Boulder and E-Town and your podcast. Ah, well, we have a free app 
um, it's on Spotify and and uh, you know the Apple Store and you know you can just go and type in E Town, download that, and then there's dozens and dozens of shows just for every just scroll through and pick the one you want to listen to. The podcast is still in the making, and I've had to kind of put it aside for a bit because I've been pulled into um, finessing some of these new shows that we're working on right now. We have a wonderful production team and. Um, I had kind of stepped away from that to do the podcast, so it's a little bit on hold. I thought I was going to debut it um, December 1st, but it'll be, you know, hopefully by the end of the year. And again, the working title is Looking Back, Looking Forward. Um, And Create Boulder has their own website. I would just type in Create Boulder and you'll find them. Um, Some great people uh, are connected with that, and Jan Burton and... um, Oh, I'm, I'm blanking now on the rest of the people that are involved, but it's um, it's a really, really uh, good group of people. Um, and E-Town, uh, we have a website, etown.org. If you want to write to us uh, or email us, uh, write to us the old-fashioned way <laughs> at Fox 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. But you can also um, just email us at info at etown.org. And we're also all by our first name at etown.org, so you can reach us individually if you'd like. Um, and that's that's probably the best way to, to find out more about Etown is to go to the website. Thank you, Helen, for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today. While Boulder is well known for being an entertainment hub, you have created something truly special for the community with E-Town, the Achievement Award, and all of the social programs supported by your work. As you say, and we said in the show earlier, folks come for the music and they stay for the message. So thank you for providing Boulder and the rest of the world a platform for both. My pleasure being with you and thank you for your kind words. Thanks for what you're doing too. This is a great podcast. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boulderista Podcast. For more info on today's episode, to nominate an influencer to be on the show, or to connect with me for your Boulder real estate needs, please visit us at www.theboulderista.com and on Facebook and Instagram at The Boulderista. While you're there, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Until next time, stay happy, Boulder.